Welcome to The Stories That Make Us, a podcast about the fiction that has moulded, shaped and inspired us. I'm Abby Ruggles and this is my co-host Rory Doherty. Hello. Each episode we chat to a different creative and explore which narratives have impacted them the most. This week our guest is Alex Gilston who is a presenter and film critic. Hello guys. Hello. Hello. We're back. Welcome to season two of The Stories That Make Us. And this, oh boy, we've got some good stuff ready that was like that had the, that had the enthusiasm of someone who's like a presenting a podcast like with a gun to their head i don't i didn't mean it to sound that um cough if you need help rory yeah no i'm okay i'll take it you can cut all this you're leaving all this <laughs> yes ali wow i'm so excited to be back loving the enthusiasm yes yes so <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Alex. <laughs> Welcome to the madness. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad you invited me on. I am uh, very excited to talk about oh. all of these things. All we're excited things. to have you. Big fan of your podcast, The Rank List. Oh, which we're both on. Thank you. Yeah, we're you're both, both going to be on. We I'm don't. S- at some point, at some point, the, the 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 weird sort of flux time of podcast recording to air date. Um, when we don't, <laughs> when we're all editing it ourselves, it means that. We recorded it at different times, but it should be coming out. All of our, all of these three podcasts where we're on each other's podcasts should be coming out at some point soon. Yeah, you'll see it. You'll see it there. It'll, it'll come out. Good. Exciting. <laughs> it's a really good, it's really assuring that it will exist. It will. It will. <laughs> we didn't just imagine doing it. <laughs> yeah. So Alex, you are a presenter and a film critic. Could you tell us a bit how about how you got into those things? Indeed. I mean, the film criticism is kind of a new thing, but the pre- the mm. presenting I've actually been doing for uh, almost six years now, which is weird oh, to wow. think. Um, so I left uh, sixth form slash college in 2015. I, I was going to go to, well, I did actually go to university, but I dropped out after the first six months because it was stress. Yeah, um, yeah. But... What I did was I applied for my local community radio station, Bolton FM, and I, I I don't know how it happened. I think there was like a month or two where they didn't reply to me. So I was like, it's whatever. I'll, I'll just yeah. go and do something else. Uh, and then I got a phone call and they were like, yeah, we'd love you to come in and, you know, we'll see what we can do and all that kind of stuff. And I went in and as they say, the rest is history. And you have your own show there now, I believe? Yeah, I do. So, I mean, I've presented so many different shows on the station over the past hmm. six years. I uh, started off um, on the afternoon slot uh, and then I've kind of presented uh, the, the, the magazine show during the mornings. Uh, and I also did Drive Time, which is a big, de- quite a big deal. It's like the flagship show of the station. Um, and now I have, I've, I've left all of that behind, the limelight behind, for a little Sunday afternoon slot, uh, which is where the film criticism comes in. I've always been obsessed with movies, and I just felt like uh, Bolton FM was uh, a place for me to be able to talk about what I love, and that, that's what I do. So it's a film show. That's that's really cool, and a good segue into talking about your your picks. <laughs> Definitely, because two of them are films. Two of them are films. So should we start with one of the films? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, do we? Should we start with E.T. then? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's E.T. I mean, there's there's kind of a, a progression with these three picks of mine. It's like hmm. kind of they're all that they're in no way connected, like on media level, but on a personal level, they are all t- technically connected. Hmm. Um, and I think. I remember watching E.T. when I was like maybe eight or nine years old, really yeah. not that old. 
um, and just being absolutely like blown away, blown my socks off kind of deal. <laughs> like it's the best thing I've ever seen. Like I, I just what what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> so just in case anyone hasn't seen E.T., could you give us a short synopsis of what the film's about? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, basically, it's all about this little alien who we all know as, as E.T. Um, and in he's left behind on earth and a young boy who is named uh, Elliot finds him and they kind of have this, this nice little bonded relationship. Um, and Elliot tries to help ET get back to, to his family. And it's all really cute and nice it and is. lovely. I watched it, um, over the weekend just cause I, I realized I hadn't seen it for a few years and I was surprised at how much it still made me cry. Yeah. Mm. It's so emotional. <laughs> so emotional. Even when you know like how it's gonna end, it's still like absolutely sobbing through the credits. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, there's always two moments where I cry during ET. There's the bit where um, they kind of, you know, when they're starting to open like the quarantine area, and yeah. They're like taking ET away, and Elliot's like being strapped down to a table, which is a bit weird. But I always cry at that bit because he's like being separated, especially where it yeah. comes in the movie where they've had this bond being builded up, um, and then they get split up and it's just like, it was too much for me to handle. And then obviously the end is Stephen worse for, for, for emotional level. Um, (laughs) I saw, I saw ET a number of years ago, but um, I used to volunteer at the Edinburgh film festival and, um, uh, they'd have sort of big gala events, uh, and one of them that which they had every year was a classic film and the Royal Symphonic National Orchestra of Scotland or something would, um, uh, symphonic, whatever. It's a symphonic orchestra that's Scotland, okay? And um, they would play the score of the film along with the film oh, uh, live. Which was glorious. And there was always like like upwards to about 80 quid for a good ticket because it was in a theatre space. And um, if you're sitting in the stalls watching a film like near the front, that actually sucks because the screen's really big ahead and you're craning your... It's like sitting in the front row of a cinema. Hmm. Um, and, um, our boss, we were just at a desk being bored and, um, our boss was like, oh, so there's been some like wind and people coming from Glasgow can't come. And so the guy who's a, who made the event, the producer of the event has two free tickets to go see ET with the score live. And does anyone want to go? And I was like, yes, please. And so we went and sat beside the guy who produced the event, uh, like perfect seats, like, like seats that would have been like 80 quid. Um, for free and we saw E.T. with um, uh, the score played and it was absolutely oh. beautiful. I feel like if I'd have been there and the flying theme starts, I'd have like transcended. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious and it, it was like the day after the day Brexit had been announced. You know? Like it was oh, it God. was 2016 <laughs> so it was like a really, it's a really bleak day and it was just a nice bit of hope it was a uh, it was a nice bit of hope coming in. Uh, so yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful movie. Uh, was that, yeah. Did you say that's the first time you'd seen it, Rory? No, the second time I've seen it. Oh, the it. second I time. I haven't seen okay. it since. I was going to say, like, it's, are you? Yeah, it's, it's Were you stuck. like a kid as well when you saw it? Was I a kid? I was never a child. This is something which we, um, <laughs> I sort of just. You were just I'm, born. Like... I'm an and- I'm an android. <laughs> I was made in a robot factory. <laughs> I always kind of came out as exactly as I am, uh, but I have fake memories. Moving on. Um, no, I didn't see it as a kid. I saw it when I was like 16 or something. When I was oh, catching wow. up for the first time of like of all these yeah. classic movies. And it's like, yeah, I never I never watched it as a kid. But, you know, I watched, you know, weird shit as a kid. 
Um, but you said you were eight or nine, Alex. Yeah, I was, and I can I can tell you for a fact that videotape was worn out. <laughs> Literally, like I never stopped watching it. There was a few films that I would never stop watching, and ET was one of them, for sure. What were the other ones? Star Wars, the original <laughs> Star Wars trilogy, and I had, you know what, I had them in this like really cool golden oh, box. Yeah, I know exactly. You what know the box. About. You know the box, and you, oh, when you opened it, it always felt like you were just opening magic. It was amazing, and I. For Star Wars, I mean, all my videotapes, I went through a, I think I had a DVD player until, you know, 2019 or something. No, like, uh, until like late. So I was always on uh, VHS tapes from charity shops. And I'd like just, that's just how I saw a lot of movies. And like, I had them in rotation. And I had the same, I had uh, Star Wars, the not special editions on videotape. And I, I, I wore those out uh, as well. It's <laughs> just so good. So uh -huh incredible is this your favorite Sp spielberg then it is hands down i mean you know like there are some directors where you know they only have like one or two misses and i suppose spielberg is one of them but nothing will ever be it for me and i suppose maybe just because it's mired in that nostalgia hmm. but but definitely but i always remember watching it for the for the first time and seeing his name in the end credits and going I want to be him. Mm -hmm. Like, if I can make create something as good as that, I like will be happy with my existence. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean... even though when I was nine, <laughs> who how would you have known what a film director is? I didn't, I, but you know. Um, but I remember as well with with that. I always remember saying afterwards, like to my parents and stuff. Oh my god, I love Steven Spielberg. I think he's amazing. Like, oh my god, E.T.'s the best. And then for for a Christmas present, my dad got me this um like film director kit, starter kit kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> it was like it was this box and it was like a theme and I think it was like a kind of Treasure Island type film and basically hmm. it gave you a bunch of different materials uh and there was like a clapperboard as well and everything uh and it was like get some friends together and then make make a film and this that's was when so, i was like that's 11. such a good idea yeah I, I i mean i've never seen anything like that since i was that yeah. age but it was so cool because yeah. the note you wrote you said that it made wanting to become a film director like your entire personality so i was gonna ask I'm imagining you like running around make, trying to make films as a kid, but that was literally it. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Like I remember being in primary school um, and at, at break time when people would be on the playground playing football or like bulldog or whatever, you know, stuff mm. you would be doing that people that I suppose normal people <laughs> would be doing. <laughs> I was inside with a group of friends in like a classroom with this kit going right what are we doing what's this shot going to be what you know <laughs> what what kind of film we make it who's going to be in in the film blah 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 blah, and all that kind of stuff so literally it did it became my entire personality that's great rory what were you doing at playtimes at school uh i think oh i think i was yeah i mean it was a i was drawing comics a lot i uh genuinely i i have a folder in the room i'm in right now which has all of my uh comics that i used to do so whenever it was like a, it was raining it was a wet wet day um and we had to stay in at lunch i was straight for um 
drawing comics with my friend but outside it was a lot of i i had a similar kind of thing where i was when we when we play when we do play star wars or harry potter or doctor who that which was kind of the main three ones uh i would usually be in charge i'd usually be the sort of like <laughs> dictating where the story was going and stuff and i don't think many people minded but i was definitely the sort of spearheading the direction artistically of our uh play activities at lunchtime yeah i was very much the same i remember a lot of playtimes were me forcing my friends to reenact harry potter and i had to be hermione but i also had to tell everybody else what to do which i think pretty much sums me up well, as adds up. That's fair. <laughs> i mean that's that's the thing though with that director's kit that's kind of exactly what it was because we didn't we, like we, we didn't have cameras when we were 11 years old like mm. we didn't have no. anything like that to actually make the film but we would pretend that we mm-hmm. were making the film that was what made that so exciting and i suppose what fueled my passion to be a mm. film director even more mm-hmm. the imagination was just running wild at that age as it yeah. should be and i think those the kind of the, the films that you watch as kids they are so important for forming those interests and passions and stuff at an early age completely yeah 100 i i think that i'm pretty sure et is like the only film pre like it's my favorite film shall i say pre-1990s i think oh yeah like my my film knowledge pre nineteen nineties is quite slim. It's not it's not that great, but E. T. will always be the number one, I think. And on that note, shall we move on to your second pick? Indeed, yes. Which is I think both a favourite of mine and Rory's as well. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy about that. I, I just reached over um to on my desk and found this. It's my sonic screwdriver. Oh my god. I I have. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Sorry, just fucking the audio for happy day. <laughs> I still have my uh, tenth Doctor screwdriver from all those years ago. It's a tenth Doctor. It's a ninth and tenth Doctor. Oh, one, yeah. so yeah, it's the classic. Oh, I I used to have. Um, so just in case the audience hasn't picked up on this, we are in fact talking about Doctor. Grim fairy tales. Thank you. We are, we are. Yes. I loved Doctor Who as a kid and every Christmas my there was like about a six or seven year period where every Christmas my mum would buy me a different TARDIS. Oh. So oh. I had like a TARDIS mug and like a little Lego TARDIS and I had them all on a shelf and it used to make me very happy and I don't know what I did with them now. <laughs> That's incredible. That's yeah. great. Um, uh, why don't you tell us about the premise of Doctor Who, Alex? Uh, we've discussed it on the show in passing, I believe. But why don't you tell us how you first came to it and uh, and sort of what it means for you? Yeah, so picture the scene. It's 2005. The, the show is being revived. I have absolutely zero idea what the show is. I don't even know it exists. I do not even... It's not on my radar. Uh, and it's come back, and I think it's uh, sort of around Easter time, potentially, when it came back uh, for the first episode with Christopher Eccleston. And uh, we were, the night before, we were at my grandma's house for a, I remember this literally like it was yesterday, I swear to God. Um, so we were at my grandma's house, have, it was like a little party or something. Uh, and it was a Saturday night, so it was the night that Doctor Who was on. It was coming back for the first time. So the day after, my mum had recorded it uh, and she, I was in the front room with her and she was like, oh my, uh, Alex, I'm going to watch this show, it's called Doctor Who. I was like, what's that? She's like, oh, it's just a show that was on like ages ago. It's it's not been on for like 15, 20 years, but uh, but it, they've revived it. It's back. So I was like, uh, she's like, do you, you want to watch it? I was like, yeah, I will watch. Yeah, whatever, you know. And 
when I tell you I did not blink for 45 minutes, I like I was mesmerized. Yeah. Completely pulled in from minute one. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Better than E.T. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just, that was it. Obsession. Obsession, obsession, obsession. And from there, it just went and went and went. You know when you, throughout the year you say you like something like maybe one time and then for six Christmases in a row you get presents to do with yeah. the thing that you said you like one time. That was what happened to me with Doctor Who. Literally every year it would just be, look at all these Doctor Who presents. I mean, a couple of years ago, and I'm twenty, nearly 24 now, a couple of years ago, I actually still I'm still getting stuff that's related to Doctor Who. <laughs> that is how <laughs> obsessed I was with it. What about you, Rory? When was the first time you actually watched yeah, Doctor Who? I think my, we saw a big uh, poster of Christopher Eccleston and Billy Tyler. My mum said, "You got to watch that. You will really like that." And then I became obsessed. <laughs> I think I took a couple. I think I think I love the first episode. I missed the second episode because it wasn't like part of a routine yet. And then by the third episode, the Unquiet Dead, which is the one with the ghosts and Charles Dickens, yes, I was pretty much hooked. And um, yeah, kind of yeah, became like more powerfully obsessed with it than anything <laughs> I had before, as it were, because it felt a lot more. Uh, well, one, it was coming out now. I mean, Harry Potter had that, but like it felt wasn't like and Star Wars technically was the same but those things felt a lot more broad than Doctor Who Doctor Who felt uh, on a, such a, a smaller scale that it all, almost felt personal that it almost <laughs> felt uh, relatable and uh, and uh, it was it was very in house uh, as it were and then yeah, I became obsessed with it and then Chris Ferguson turned to David Tennant and I said this sucks I hate this <laughs> and then David Tennant I saw David Tennant and I was like oh, okay I really like this and then uh, he fell in love with him really as an actor and him being Scottish was, was, was a nice, was a nice, uh, mm. really helped us sort of like getting invested in them. And then, yeah, pretty much until the end of, I watched it regularly, I think until pretty much, oof, the last season I watched was series eight and that, the first Peter Capaldi one. And I was not digging it by that point hmm. i think i dug it up until the end of series six i think the first series i realized i didn't like was clara's uh, uh with amy and po- amy pond leaving and uh clara joining matt smith's last series i remember going this isn't working for me and then i went okay this really isn't working for me and then i left it and then i sort of as i grew older and became took criticism a bit more seriously and saw other people's opinions on the internet um i think i realized why i didn't like a lot of the writing in stephen moffat stuff um and then realized on revisiting the russell t davis show period of the show realized why i love it so much what about you alex have you watched it consistently or have there been points that you've dropped off as well oh i am unapologetically still watching it right you know right now <laughs> i am just as I mean, they announced after the New Year's Day special that John Bishop was going to be joining the cast, which is you know it's very left field, um, kind of because I know they've already had uh, comedians in the cast before, like yeah. Catherine Tate and stuff. But John Bishop seems weird, but I'm still unapologetically exi- excited for the new season. I can't yeah. wait. Um, but I also agree with Rory that I hold up the Russell T Davis era of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm in a 
much bigger stead than I do any of the stuff past that. But mm. I do still love the Matt Smith era oh, and, yeah. and that kind of stuff just as much. Do Do you have a favorite Doctor? It's too it's too hard. That don't please don't ask that question. <laughs> All right, geez. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's too difficult. No. Um, if I really had to go there, I would probably say Christopher Eccleston, and that is just because. And I know a lot of people say this, but you always remember your first Doctor. It's kind of like the one that you have the most attachment to. And I was exactly the same as you, Rory, when Christopher Eccleston first regenerated into David Tennant. I was like, what's going on? What's like, what's this? Because again, I, I didn't know what Doctor Who was, so I didn't know that that was this part and parcel of the show. Happens, yeah. yeah, exactly. So hmm. I was like, what's what? What's this? What? What? Where's the Chris fact, Eccleston? The fact that it was like this is an old show. Really, I don't think I comprehended, as it were. I don't think I understood the canon that, like that, what a revival was, what a reboot was. It was just hmm. like this is the new thing that's happening. And then as I, I, I remember I revisiting some of the classics from the old series, uh, some Tom Baker episodes, which I really liked. Some of the anniversary specials. And I like I enjoyed them. I think I think I think the one I hold up most was Genesis of the Daleks, the first uh, Davros episode. And especially when Sarah Jane Smith gets introduced to the Doctor Who world, I was interested in seeing the continuity of her and her old episodes. And then as I sort of grew up, I've got more of a fascination for the type for not for the stories that have been told, but like just how they made it. And it's obviously just like. Like, but when you get to John Pertwee, it's just like, we're going out to a field and we've got some explosive device and, and uh, a, some, a cape and that's it. Here we go. Let's do it. And like little rubbery aliens and like cheap sets. And it's just like every week we put out an episode and that just for like 35 years or something like that. And I like it on that level. Sorry, Alex, have you gone back and watched many of the classics? Uh, yeah, I mainly watched kind of the special ones where it was like the two you know the five doctors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all those kind of episodes um and i do remember watching the arcs where the doctors regenerate into the next doctor i always remember really enjoying those kind of episodes um but i have to say i am kind of a lover of the tv movie oh, with yeah, paul, paul mcgann yeah i um i love that so much even though it is like really not what doctor who is but it's just, I love it so much. And I've met Paul McGann as well, and he's, he's mm. a great guy. Oh. Great guy. I saw him in a show. That's it. Oh, <laughs> you saw him in a show. <laughs> I thought you were going to have some, like, kind yeah. of extra added on to that, but no, just you saw him in a show. <laughs> what was the show? Nothing. Nothing, that's it. Uh, oh. <laughs> I know, I'm going to stand by my guns. I have nothing else to say on this. Oh, <laughs> that's complete. <laughs> It was, I think, uh, it was a show of Helen of Troy at the Globe in uh, London, and he was very good. Oh, yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, I just have to say, you, you mentioned Sarah Jane Smith, and I think that's another thing that I really admired about Russell T Davis, and it was kind of where my my ambitions started to lie from films into TV because there was a hmm. kind of a, a, a kind of a segment of that time in my life where I was like, actually, I could work in TV because if I work in TV, that means I can work on Doctor Who. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but that, what I admired about Russell T. Davis is he juggled Doctor Who and Torchwood and mm. Sarah Jane Adventures at the same time. And they were all top-notch quality yeah. stories every week, every time they came, every series was just impeccable. And then on top of that, managing to connect them all together Hmm. so well it just like was mind-blowing to me 
at the That's time. That's wild. I didn't realise that he was actually doing yeah. Torchwood and Sarah Jane. I think it's a lot to do with, like, um, delegating. I think he's really good at encouraging yeah. different voices within Completely. a show. Hmm. And, and, then, and then, like... And then after, I think it was uh, when Doctor Who was just wrapping up and he was, um, or his sort of tenure on it was going on. I think, um, I think he, he like finished, no, no, there was another series of Torchwood after Doctor Who ended, I think. But he did, ch- what, Children of Earth, which I still hold up as like yeah. some of the best Russell T era writing like it's ever. Incredible. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's a mini series that was on for five days in like summer one year. And I was like the first post-Watershed thing that I was like watershed thing i was allowed to watch and i was like whoa this is this is um full on but uh yeah (laughs) he's a he's a really really special writer incredibly special yeah and the things that he's gone on to do as well are just as admirable like uh, cucumber was amazing and then more recently it's a sin was just phenomenal work it's just he's had a a, like strength to strength because it was uh, a very english scandal which is a really fun miniseries great hugh grant renaissance uh paddington 2 reunion because it's got ben wish on uh hugh grant um and then he did uh years and years which is like i don't think it's making is it doesn't make very uh prescient points about the way we're going but i think it's a really engaging melodrama that like yeah, really, really, really yeah. fun so Amazing. easy to watch and you just want to go more it's brilliantly paced and then it's a sin is just like a marvel of of empathy mm-hmm. and i really yeah. need to watch it's a sin oh it's you the do. best it's probably gonna be the best tv i watch this year it's great yeah it's next level so alex you said that it made you the doctor who made you want to work in tv did you get to go to the doctor who studios in cardiff my heart breaks i never got a chance to go oh no which is really really sad however (laughs) there is a one place that i did get to go and i suppose you could call this like the unofficial unofficial unabridged version of that place um (laughs) in blackpool now this is like sounds really weird but there was a place in blackpool which was basically the same thing um, okay where there was just like loads of props and things and just things to look at it was basically like a, a museum book for doctor who hmm. and i've the, i've got like pictures like developed pictures from that place and i remember just look absolutely adoring being there just like oh my god i'm stood next to the face of bo what like <laughs> whoa <laughs> but again i was i was quite young then so it was, it was yeah. very exciting but i always wanted to go and it's still a place where i want to go mainly just because the to- um Cardiff Bay, which is where Torchwood was filmed. I yeah. really want to go and um, pay my respects to Yanto. <laughs> I went with a friend like a long time ago now, and it was like our first sort of like weekend away that we'd like paid for our- ourselves and that. And um, we did the whole like we went to Cardiff Bay, oh, and, like wow. taking pictures with the Yanto's memorial, and oh. did Doctor Who Studios. It was literally it was the best weekend. <laughs> I just wish that I, I could have gone when the Doctor Who experience was up and it's one of the mm. the many regrets of my life uh, that I didn't get to go. I've been to, I think, four wow. Doctor Who experiences. I went to Cardiff. The next year I went to... We just uh, we started having city breaks and then they stopped like organising city breaks that happened to be cities where there was a Doctor Who experience and then they, they still happened. Um, so it was Cardiff, Manchester, Liverpool and then Glasgow. And they were all great. I really loved them. It was like, especially Cardiff, I was like obsessed. Like, we're like, like losing <laughs> my mind over it. Like, couldn't sleep the night before. And um, it was so, so much fun. 
and there was lots and lots of great costumes and you could I think go and what makes up for that though is that I have actually met a majority of the currently living doctors oh that's that's a good that's a cool claim <laughs> yeah I oh, um, right, that's good and I've actually been in the presence of some of the others as well like I I, I went to London film and comic-con in 2018 which is now actually known as basically doctor who con because it is i think they claimed or boasted that it was the convention that had the most people who had played the doctor in one place in one convention at one time um so uh, david tennant was there and i glimpsed i had a peek at him but he was a last minute (laughs) addition so it was so difficult to get tickets to meet him and then i met paul mcgann uh matt smith and peter capaldi I met them all in the same day, so as you can imagine, I was oh an absolute God. wreck by the <laughs> by the end of that. Um, I've also met Peter Davidson mm. and Sylvester McCoy, which was incredible. Yeah, um, I had I was doing a show in the Fringe in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and we were doing a wee show with my student theatre uh, group from uni, and immediately after us in the same venue was a show where Robert. Picardo, who played the hologram doctor in Star Trek Voyager, and Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor in Doctor Who, had a show there. Like, and so they would hang out afterwards um, uh, in like the um, in like the the area in the beer garden. And so I was there. I was dressed as an angel for the show, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, I love both of you so much. It was amazing." Uh, uh, which was really. I don't know why I was so high pitched because this was like four years ago. Um, but um, yeah, that was really special. And it's really nice, especially in the fringe, you're all supporting Aww. other. And Robert Picardo came to see our show, and like it was a really quiet day, and he he had the, <laughs> such a booming laugh. So like, ha oh, ha ha, yes, it was great. Sylvester McCoy was possibly the best one I've met in terms of because at London Film and Comic Con, meeting all of those people because there were so many people meeting them, it was kind of quite quick. Whereas mm. uh, the con I met Sylvester McCoy at was quite small. It was a bit of a, a smaller con and had a bit more time because the queue wasn't as big and mm. he was kind of taking his time with everyone and i just remember talking about my ambitions and uh you know what i wanted to do and where i wanted to go and what i wanted to be in life and all that kind of stuff and i just remember him being incredibly inspirational Aww. and then on the autograph he just put good luck with everything which i'm just like still to this day Aww. just like that's like the nicest thing <laughs> it's it, yeah so it's very good so we have had E.T., which inspired your love of film. Uh, Doctor Who, which inspired your love of TV. Shall we move on to the last one? Oh, I wonder what could be next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the final uh, pick, which is a film, um, which is the kind of, I suppose you could say, the final progression um, in in my ambitions for, uh, you know, life and work and what have you. And that is The Boat That Rocked, which just like completely solidified my love for radio and wanting to be a part of radio and wanting to do that as my career over you know being a film director or working Mm. in tv basically so could you give us a quick uh synopsis of what the film's about uh yeah so the boat that rocked is a film by richard curtis which i absolutely love i love most of richard curtis's films i think he's great and I think that he just adds something to this that I, I think maybe other people might not have been able to. Mm. Uh, but basically, overall, it just tells the story of... And it, it's kind of like 
an analogy for Radio Caroline, which was the pirate radio back in the 60s. Hmm. Um, it's called Radio Rock in the film. And it's just kind of the back and forth. So a pirate radio was obviously quite big back in those days because um, there wasn't a lot of freedom of expression when it came to... Um, when it came to the radio. Uh, so uh, lots of creative people were like, right, well, let's go to a place offshore where the laws don't exist and let's just let make people happy. Let's mm. do what we want, whatever we want to do. So yeah, and, and the film kind of goes between them spreading their joy and the, the government and that kind of side of things trying to, you know, pounce back at them and stop mm. them from doing it uh, and it's got a wonderful cast it's got bill nye in it uh philip seymour hoffman i believe is in it as well mm -hmm. and nick frost as well it's just such a wonderful cast and i just remember when i watched this film for the first time and i saw bill nye working the decks and just kind of waxing philosophical into the microphone <laughs> and just going yeah i want to do that so were you kind of interested in presenting and then you watched this film or did you watch this film and then you were like, that's what um, I want to do? Well, yeah, because I, I actually found this film quite late because uh, it came out in 2009, I believe. Hmm. Um, and I remember kind of getting my first fill of radio um, with some work experience in 2012, I think, hmm. which funnily enough was a company next to where I now present at Bolton FM that doesn't oh. exist anymore unfortunately but it was uh, called the DBBC which was like basically a place where they would get people with learning difficulties and people who um, you know have, haven't got kind of the opportunities that they might have wanted to get and mm. they teach them how to make radio and edit audio and all that kind of stuff and then at the end they get a qualification it was amazing stuff and yeah. I did my work experience there which was really good and I managed to actually feature on Bolton FM for like an hour of in the afternoon. It was like a treat at the end of the work Aww. experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again, was probably like the first time I'd ever kind of been like, yeah, I actually kind of feel like I'd, I could do this. Yeah. Like this would be cool. Um, and then after watching The Boat That Rocked, it just kind of solidified that mm. for me. So now that you do present your own radio show, is it living up to expectations? Yes, definitely. Because I think that the best thing about Bolton FM is that I'm kind of, to to an extent, free to do what I want to do. Hmm. Like, I with the film show, I'm, yeah, I've got complete creative control. You know, I, I can have whatever content I want, which is is basically what the film is. You know, it's about, you know expressing yourself in the way that you want to express yourself yeah. and yeah it's just yeah so good because i think there's a few kind of jobs that i saw on tv and film when i was growing up but i really wanted and i don't have any of them but i'm pretty sure they wouldn't have been as cool as they looked on telly so I, i've spoken about this before on the podcast but I, me and a friend were really obsessed with holby city don't ask um and i i it made me really want to be a doctor mm, yeah um mm. turns out that's really hard and probably wasn't mm. going to be as good <laughs> or dramatic as it looked mm, on TV. Yeah. I, no. No. What did I want to be? Yeah. I just wanted to be like a, yes. a Jedi or like a Time Lord or something like that. I think, but I think early on, I, as soon as I understood hmm. what a film director was, I'm pretty sure I wanted to be a film director. And I don't really want to be, I don't now kind of definitely focus on writing as much jam. But um, I, uh, yeah, and then that, there was a bit where I was just like, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll be a priest. You know, I'll just do that. I mean, it was raised 
raised Catholic, and so oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that happens to every boy who's raised yeah. Catholic. It's just this idea of like, you know, I guess I'll do this. Um, but oh, that did not last. And what else did I want to be? Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. I think at a certain point I was like, I can be an actor. And then I realized I wasn't very good at acting. And I was like, oh, well. And I still like do it from time to time but it's it's very very much within the confines mm. of my own stuff rather I watched, than everyone um, else's i've just finished watching the bold type because it got added to netflix um and the it's kind of about these you know these three girls oh, yeah. that work at a magazine in new york so one of the characters is like a writer and another one does social media and oh my god like watching that as somebody that writes you're just like, what are you like? She's just like publishing things with like no mm. one checking it. <laughs> and, um, the girl that does social media is just like yeah, tweeting, yeah. like not scheduling anything, but she just has the account and is just tweeting whatever she likes. Mm. <laughs> and I was getting not so irrationally all, angry. Not right. at all representative of, of the uh, <laughs> the industry at all. <laughs> no, actually, to be fair, I do have to say that the boat that rocked is not at all representative actually of what radio working in radio is like. <laughs> um, just as so a you're disclaimer. you're not partying on boats every weekend? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. And um, thankfully not um, uh, coming to the point where the boat starts sinking. Um, but yeah, no, I I think overall, like it's because the thing is radio is possibly one of the most, I mean, any creative industry is, is incredibly difficult to get into. And I, I have to say like, to have the start that I've had mm. through Bolton FM, I've been mm. incredibly lucky, and I, I can't wait to see where where I go. Um, but yeah, it it is it's very difficult. A lot of hard work. For yeah, sure. but I think when you're passionate about it, it's worth it, isn't it? Because yeah, completely. It's better to put the work in and then get the end result that you love than just be like, oh, I'll just settle for something else. All I'll say is, don't listen to the school guidance counselor. If you want to do something, <laughs> do it because if you have Definitely. the passion for it you'll get there 100%. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, when I was picking A-levels and stuff, uh, I ended up picking, like, maths, biology, physics, and chemistry, which, in fairness, I got really good grades out of GCSE, and it made sense for me to be doing them, but I think if I could go back down and be like, Abby, what is it you actually want to be doing? I would have picked, like, <laughs> drama and English and stuff like that. Yeah, completely. I-, I think that school, in a way, just kind of puts you in one direction, and you're kind of thinking, do I really actually want to be going in this direction? I'm too young to be making this decision yeah. at this time. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm very actually glad that, because I did things like media studies at, hmm. at A-level, which a lot of people would be like, why did you do media studies? Waste. What a waste. But it wasn't. I'm, and I'm very no. glad that I did them. Cool. So is there anything else you want to say about the boat that rock? Well, I, I, I do have to say, Bill, I have I've met Bill Nye. Oh, this is just an episode of people that Alex has met. <laughs> yeah, I know. Welcome to the the people that Alex has met. No, um, it, it was a weird one because it was actually when I was at university for the little time gap that I was there. There's a, I went to Salford University, which is at Media City, and there's a a bar called the Dockyard, um, mm. which. People would often go to at the end of the day after you knew they'd go and get like a burger and a drink and whatever. Yeah. And one day after we'd all finished, there was like a crowd of people outside the dockyard, like kind of crowding around a person. And everyone was like, what the hell's going on? Um, and we kind of realized that that person was Bill Nye and Bill Nye was just randomly at Media City for some reason. 
and yeah so we we all kind of went and said hello it was very very oh, surreal so weird um what was but he yeah like? again yeah he was he ho- he holds a presence i can imagine <laughs> yeah a, a very kind of he's very stoic man i'd love to be up bill nye that'd be all so cool so it was incredible yeah. lovely yeah. so good cool i think that's so, it yeah. shall we wrap up alex Seriously. what are you yeah. doing at the moment and where can people find you uh, yeah, so I am currently on Bolton FM on Sunday afternoons from 2 until 4 with my film show. I do reviews and news and all that kind of stuff uh, around film. I'm also doing the rank list, which we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like you will both be on uh, or have been on and the episodes will be <laughs> released in due course. Uh, but, and I wanted to save this for now, uh, this is something that has only been mentioned in tweets but this is kind of like a first time speaking about it to the world. And I imagine by the time this comes out that there might actually be episodes out. But me and a friend, uh, Billy Melissa, have actually, we're starting a new podcast. And it's called the Annapurnaverse, which is like a podcast celebrating all of the films that the studio Annapurna Pictures have released over there. 10 years as a studio as a production company and we're going to get guests on and, and all that kind of stuff it's going to be really cool and i that believe great somebody here might be um might be becoming round i also bet i can guess what film he's oh will i shut <laughs> up <laughs> and where can people find you on twitter alec uh yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at presenter alex Rory, what are you up to and where can people find you? Oh, tell you what I'm going to do. I, I I, am absolutely freezing right now. My room is so cold. So I'm going to turn the heating on and maybe get a cup of something warm. But I, I'm uh, <laughs> doing a couple pieces, trying to focus a lot on some creative applications. So it's a bit less film criticism at the moment. But I will be in uh, Jump Cut online's issue four no. talking about nick cage <laughs> alex uh, you can read more about my nick cage thoughts and uh i will be in uh, the rank list coming up soon and i will uh, be writing a piece about a star trek convention i went to for star trek.com which is really cool so that should be coming out soon yeah and you can find me there but you can find me at uh, at rory has opinions on awesome. twitter as for me i as always don't know what i'm doing at the moment <laughs> um Actually, yes, I do. I'm interviewing some very cool people this week and writing a review for their game. um, And that should be out soon. I can't say what it is because there's an embargo. (laughs) 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 I can't tell you more than that, but it will be very cool. Um, And you'll be able to find that on Twitter at Abby Ruggles. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, we are at the Stories Cast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at the stories that make us at gmail.com. And that is all from us for now thank you for joining us for season two thanks for joining us alex thank you for having me bye